Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. you taking the time to come be with us today to get the instructions that we need from the Word of God. And we do appreciate Dr. David Wood being with us here today. Amen. And uh, here at our church, he doesn't need any introduction. And uh, we thank God for David Wood and what uh, David Wood and David Wood Ministries down through the years now, Operation Go International. Thankful here at this church to have been able to support them as one of our missionaries for a long, long time. Being able to see God do <clears throat> now here in the States and also around the world exactly what we're going to be doing this morning. Welcome Dr. David Wood to the pulpit here at Beacon Baptist Church. Many of you have already smiled. You know that, now wait a minute, you know you've smiled. All right, well, that's most of you. That's, that's a pretty good record. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn around and look at somebody next to you. Look them right in the eyeballs and say you're the best looking person I've seen all day. Would you do that? Just look at them, smile a little bit. That's hard to do sometimes, isn't it? It really is. I did that one time, and uh, then I came back on Sunday, and a lady walked up to me, and she said, would you do that best-looking thing again? I'll give you a quarter. I said, why is that? She said, well, that's, a, that's the nicest my husband's spoken to me in a long time. I said, that will be worth more than a quarter, don't you think so? But I'm glad to be here this morning. I'm glad that you're here this morning. And uh, we've got some exciting things we want to talk about, some exciting things we want to do. And uh, this is a good group, and we thank God for it. Thank you. Be seated, if you would. Everybody has registered. Am I correct? Yes. Everybody's registered. Anybody did not get a syllabus like packed like I've got in my hand? Anybody does not have, you need one of these. Everybody got one? All right. Let's open it up together. And let's review a couple of things in it. And uh, then we'll get started. All right. You know, we'll leave that light on if, it, if you can see the screen good enough. Should we cut it off or leave it on? What about back in the room back there? Are we all right with it on? All right. If it's okay with you, we'll leave it on, and that'll, if we need to cut it off, we will. Now, in the pack, I want you to look at this. You're going to find. Let me see the end there. Is Matthew telling me I hit the pause button? There you go. I didn't even know I'd hit it. I hit it. That must be a phantom thing now, Matthew. Thank you. All right. In the pack, you're going to find a little brochure that says, Recasting Soul Winning. All right. Uh, you can read it later on. It's a great little brochure. If you need more of them, you can call our office something. We'll send them to you. But it talks about the what soul winning is really all about. And uh, there's a phrase. I won't uh, elaborate on it. But there's a great title that you could think about yourself. The Ministry of Soul Winning. The Ministry of Soul Winning. I don't know if you've ever heard it. I don't think I've ever heard anybody talk about it that way. The ministry of soul winning. Soul winning ought to, uh, the burden for the lost, winning people to Christ ought to kind of permeate everything we do. It really ought to. So there's a ministry involved in it. I think you'll enjoy reading that. Now on the back page you're going to find what we call a partner's update. This is what we sent out January 1st. That's for you to read, not while I'm up here today, but later on. <laughs> and uh, we send this out every month. 
and you say, I'd like to receive it, all you need to do is let us know. And we talk about countries and what we're doing in other places. We make announcements and just a lot of things that are going on in the area of getting the gospel out. And uh, we're able to work today in a little over 80 different countries, states, and provinces worldwide. And uh, that's a blessing to see that happen. And God has just step by step by step allowed us to get the gospel out in a lot of different ways. And so this might be a blessing to you. So I encourage you to read that later on. Now the thing I want you to look at is called the 21st Century Soul Winning Seminar brochure. Everybody got it. It's a syllabus. And uh, on the back of it some things about some resources, it might be a blessing. But inside, there are two pages I want you to take notes on. All right? The second page on the inside, at the top, what does it say? In the box, it says what? The 13-point soul winning plan. That's where we're going to start. 13-point soul winning plan. Then on the top of the other one, we'll jump at that a little bit later on as we get through it. And trust me, the time's going to go so fast, it's going to be... Yeah, you're going to wonder where the time went. We've got a lot to cover. I think we're going to interact a lot. We're going to talk a lot. This is not a preaching session. I think sometimes we Baptists uh, don't know the difference between preaching and instruction sometimes. And sometimes we instruct and sound like we're preaching. Anybody know what I'm talking about there? And the same everything. This is communication. This is for us to learn something, to get a hold of something. And I trust that will happen this morning. Now, I'm going to slide down there where you are probably in a little bit over to the side so I can see that screen and know what's happening. And uh, we can follow that together because I want you to know. Anybody need a pencil or a pen? If you need a pencil or a pen, lift your hand and maybe we can get somebody to share one. Anybody at all need a pencil or a pen? All right. Good. Anybody need anybody to take notes for you? Anybody like that? <laughs> All right. You'll have to read your own scratch. I can't find anybody to help you there. So do the best you can. I want you to take notes and let's follow through it. Now, soul winning is an unusual thing. When I got saved 19 years old, uh, my family was not a Christian family. And I mean by that, good folks. And I uh, went to church, but... <laughs> Uh, just nobody knew the Lord. My dad was a drunkard, and my mom, has, she kept the whole family together. I never know eight children at home, five boys and three girls. And uh, if you'll forgive the way I say this, I think you'll understand it. My home, before the Lord made a big difference in it, was hell on earth. Anybody know what I'm talking about there? It really was. So the first person I wanted to witness to was my mother. Anybody other? How about when you were saved? Did anybody have a first person you really thought, boy, I'd like to see this person saved once I get saved? And so I wanted to see my mother saved. So I came home to witness to my mother. And uh, I didn't call it witnessing. I didn't know what witnessing was. When I was 19 years old, I got saved. I, I knew what a Bible was, but I didn't know how many books were in the Bible. I didn't know Old Testament from New Testament. If she got up and said, let's turn to Luke, I had to look in the index, find out where it was. Anybody else have to do that? I mean, I knew nothing about anything. So I wanted to witness to my mother, and really what I meant by that, I'd been saved, knew I was going to heaven, I wanted my mother to go to heaven. That makes sense, doesn't it? And so I came home to talk to my mother, and never will forget it, I sat down and started talking to her, when I started talking to her, I looked at her, and she started crying. I said, what in the world is happening here? And she looked at me and she said, what do you think I am, a woman of the street or something? And I blew it. I don't even know what I told her, but I offended her. 
How many of you have ever done something like that witnessing beside me? How many of you kind of like I am? I've made every mistake anybody can make. Anybody else like that? I've done it all. So, you know, and little by little by little, and we communicated and talked about that. And my family got saved, but uh, it just didn't start out very good. I went to Bible college, went to Bible college, I hadn't been saved very long. First year of Bible college was in Canada. And they had a course up there called Personal Evangelism. Anybody ever heard of that course in Bible college, Personal Evangelism? I took this course in Personal Evangelism because I wanted to know how to win somebody to Christ. Now you would think that's where you'd learn it, right? Bible college, Personal Evangelism. So I started going through this course, and they said, everybody ought to witness. Everybody ought to be a soul winner. Everybody ought to witness. Well, I already knew that. <laughs> I want to know how to do it. And so they kept going, and here's 35 verses on why it's hard to do this. And they broke them into segments. If you're going to witness to a Catholic, it's hard for this reason. Here's some verses. If you're going to witness to a woman, I thought you had to be a, 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 a biblical engineer in order to witness. I didn't know. I mean, I was going in circles. You had a verse for this, and a verse for that, and a verse for the other, and I was confused about it. But I wanted to know how to witness. And I said, well, well, I passed the course. Well, next year I laid out, went back to Lynchburg, Virginia. It was broke. Anybody ever been there? And couldn't go back to Bible college the next year. And so June and I met that year, and we got married and thought two could live cheaper than one. And we've been trying ever since then. I don't know how it's working out, but we're still at it. <laughs> and so then we laid out a year and worked, and then both of us went to Bible college. And believe it or not, it's another Bible college, and they had a course in personal evangelism. I said, good, I'm going to take it. Now, I didn't have to take it because I'd already passed it once. But I said, I want to learn how to win somebody to Christ. Well, <laughs> I went through that course, and same thing. I mean, somebody must have taught the same thing in all Bible colleges. I don't know. But it was just, you ought to do it, you ought to do it, and here's some verses why it's hard to win a Mormon, and this kind of stuff, and on and on and on. And, and today, I'm sure they say, you know, it's hard to win Muslims to Christ, because as Muslims, it's hard to win Buddhists to Christ. It's hard to win. How many of you heard people, a lot of people, know how hard it is to win people to Christ? Anybody ever heard anybody have a conversation on how easy it is to win somebody to Christ? You know, the Holy Spirit kind of gets involved, and God gets involved, and it becomes a little easier. It really does. And so, you know, I, I was kind of brought up in that. And then I graduated from Bible college, and there was a paper when I went by a shell service station to fill up. Never heard of it in my life, called the Sword of the Lord. And so I was filling up with gasoline. I saw that paper. I thought it was some kind of cult paper or something. I didn't know what it was. And I started reading through it, and I saw where there was a guy in Hammond, Indiana, that was winning people to Christ and baptizing 40 people a week. And I thought, my goodness, baptizing 40 people a week? I thought that was a lie. I learned out since then you don't do that in evangelism. You call it evangelistic hyperbole. But they really were baptizing 40 people a week. And then I saw where he was going to be at a conference in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and they were going to teach on how to build a church and how to win people to Christ and how to do the ministry, all the things I was interested in that I didn't learn in Bible college. <laughs> and it was free for preachers. And I said, boy, I need to get up there. So for one week I went up there. John R. Rice taught on how to have the power of God, how to pray, how to have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And Bill Rice's brother taught on how to preach in public. And if you're going to do it, that's a good place to learn how to do it, isn't it? And one afternoon, Jack Howell said, if you'll meet with me up at a picnic table up here, I will teach you how to lead somebody to Christ. I said, at last. 
And so I'd gone through all of that. I went up there, and he gave 42 steps on how to lead somebody to Christ. Use right guard, left guard, breath mints, I mean everything. <laughs> we covered it all. <laughs> we really did. I wrote it all down. So here I am coming at, back through Atlanta, headed back through, getting home about 2 o'clock in the morning. And uh, I pulled a service station, and this is the day they filled the tank up. Some of you might remember that day. And so here's this guy for work service station. He's out there pumping gas in my car. And somebody spoke to my heart and said, you need to do what you can to win him to Christ. Now think about that for just a minute. You need to do what you can to win him to Christ. Who was that? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. And I scared to death. You have been there? I was scared to death. So I started, I went back there and kind of looked at him. He's pumping gas. And I said, if you should die right now, you know for sure you go to heaven. One day he didn't think I was going to rob him or something, didn't he? And he looked at me, and never will forget it. He teared up a little bit and said, no, I don't know that, but I sure would like to know. I said, you're kidding. <laughs> he said, no, I would. And I led him to Christ, and I became a first-time soul winner. Amen. All right. Now, I want you to write down. You look at your notes right here where it says notes. And if you're online, do what you can to fill these same notes in. You'll see enough where you can write down things. But I want you to fill in a note right here. First time soul winner. There's plenty of room to write. We've got a lot of time for us to really do this right today. And I'm glad for that. So write that down if you would. First time soul winner. All right. Now write it under it. What does it mean to be a first time soul winner? Number one, you win somebody to Christ. You win somebody to Christ. A first time soul winner, you lead somebody to Christ. Number two, by the way, don't get caught up in semantics. And stay away from the people that you say, lead somebody to Christ. I don't like that word. Win somebody to Christ. I don't like that word. Stay away from those people. That's none soul winners trying to discourage you as a real soul winner. Right. Just go on to get the job done. All right. So lead somebody to Christ. Second thing, you do it on purpose. So, number one, you lead somebody to Christ. What is the first time soul winner? You lead somebody to Christ. You do it on purpose. <clears throat> number three, you do it outside of the church. Outside of the church house. You in public. There's another way to say that in public. So, you win somebody to Christ outside of the church house. All right. You do it on purpose. Number four, use a plan. Use a plan. So, what is the first time soul winner? And I'm giving you a definition according to what we're dealing with this morning. We're dealing with when somebody to Christ outside of church on purpose using a plan. Now that's not all so there is to soul winning. How many of you do what I do sometimes, give out gospel tracts? Anybody do that? All right, that's part of soul winning. We understand that, but that's not what we're talking about this morning. Uh, I've been in evangelism so long, I'm going to stand and tell you that if we're having a large crusade, the biggest problem I have are personal workers. Because we don't train people in church to do much anymore. So you don't train personal workers. And so personal workers to lead people to Christ at the altar is a big deal. That's part of soul winning. But that's not what we talked about this morning. What we're talking about is leading somebody to Christ outside of the church or in public on purpose and using a plan. And what we're going to deal with, first of all, is what we're going to call on the screen up here. And I want you to follow it. We'll go through it. A 13-point plan. Now, look at the top of that on your sheet. Everybody got the right place on your sheet? You ready to go? 13-point plan. Now, I want to tell you, this is not the only way to lead somebody to Christ. You know that. If you've got a great plan, glory to God. 
and you need to stay with the plan. And what I mean by that, use the same plan. For instance, if I was going to train Brother Matthew back there, Brother Matthew, I fibbed a little bit. I told you we're going to pick on you. I'm going to do it anyway. So if I want, he's back in the control room. We get him out of there a little bit later on. But uh, if I was going to train him, and he went out with me, and he said, I don't know a thing about it, but I was going to mentor him in soul winning, and I used the book of Genesis to lead somebody to Christ. Second, I used the book of Ezekiel. <laughs> Next one, I used Matthew. Next time I used Revelation, he'd come back and say, good night, this is difficult. I got to memorize the whole Bible ought to be a soul winner. You need to use a plan that he can follow and you can mentor him and train him in that plan. Because you want to, say the word with me, reproduce yourself. Say it with me. You want to reproduce yourself. That's multiplication. That's very, very important in the Bible. The Bible's all about that. And without that, we'll never get the job done of getting the gospel to every creature. And we'll see that a little bit later on this morning. But we need to reproduce ourselves. That means you want to reproduce yourself as many times as possible. So it's important that you have a good plan. I had a guy came up to me one time after we talked this, and he said, Brother Wood, I don't like your plan. I said, not a problem. What plan do you use? He said, I don't have a plan. I said, well, sir, I like my plan a whole lot better than your plan. Amen? Yeah. What I'm saying is, get you a good plan and use it. And I'll have to be honest, when we went to India, and I knew they were Hindus, I said, we're going to have to change this plan. No. Thomas Mayer, our director over there, we got an office at all 36 states in India today, and we've trained somewhere over 18,000 national pastors in India. Every one of them used this plan to lead people to Christ in a Hindu country. Then I went to, first time we went into a Buddhist country, and I thought, surely with the Buddhists, you know, long robes and, and all of that, We'll have to change the plan. The guy, no, 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 no. He said this plan is going to work perfect here. And I said, okay. Then you get with people that are uh, Muslim. I was just got back from Kenya, and we have some churches that we've started in Somalia, underground churches. And I talked to the guy that we had trained that is planning these churches. And I said, well, what do you have to change about the plan a little bit? He said, nothing. We just get right at it. And lead people to Christ. And I got thinking about it. You know, you can get into something a lot of different ways, but there's only one gospel. Right. There's only one way to be saved. There's only one person that can do the saving. That's Jesus. Jesus is the only one down on the cross. Right. So I want us to think about that for just a minute. Now, you'll look at your plan on your sheet of paper. We'll go through this in a minute. Everybody look at Roman numeral one, two, three, four. Everybody see Roman numeral one? Tell me aloud, what does that say? Cast the net right. What about Roman numeral number two? Use the right bait. What number three? Draw the net right. What about four? How to keep what you catch. You say, why do you use that language? Because Jesus said to Peter, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So I just, these are fishermen terms. Cast the net right. Use the right bait. Draw the net right. How to keep what you catch. Notice there are 13 points. And the 13 points are divided in those four sections. Now, how many, how many of you have had some kind of training in how to sell some? You've had some training in selling. Good. That's half of us here. <laughs> That's good. Let me tell you how they trained you. I don't care what you were selling. Vacuum cleaners or, or encyclopedias or a car. It doesn't make any difference. They're going to train you, number one, get on the subject. 
Number two, present your product. Number three, hardest part about selling is one word. Zig Ziglar wrote two or three books on it. It's one word called the, starts with a C. What is that? The close. The close is correct. The close. That's the hardest part about selling, they say. People don't know how to close right. And that's not trick people into doing nothing. That's how to close correctly. So you present, you know, you get on the subject, you present your product, you close, and then you have to do a fourth thing, follow up. Right? How many of you, that's pretty well where you learned and they fill the blanks in for you on your product. You had to learn your product. You couldn't do the second part, present your product, unless you knew your product. The better you knew your product, the better job you did selling your product. All right? Now, in soul winning, I'm trying to give us an illustration we'll understand. When I say cast the net right, I mean, if you want to write next to it, how do you get on the subject? You ever wonder when you want a witness, how do you get on the subject? You do it. <laughs> when I started, I was downtown Columbia 105 years ago, I guess. I don't know. A long time ago. <laughs> and I was with a guy that some military guys were on the street, and he was going to witness downtown on Main Street, right downtown. And I was with a guy down and he walked up to some of these soldiers and looked at the guys. He said, If you don't get saved, you're going straight to hell. I said, Whoo. Is that a good way to get on the subject? No. I wouldn't think so. In fact, I flinched back a little bit. I said, somebody go kill somebody here. <laughs> you know, it, no, that's not a good way to do it. How about this? You ever said, well, how do you get on the subject? You saved? That's a little bit better than the other way. Does that work? Not really well. Doesn't work too good. So how do you get on the subject? We're going to talk about it in three questions, step number one, two, and three. We'll deal with that in just a minute. And then after you get on the subject, we want to do how do you present the gospel correctly? So people can understand it. Do you want to be difficult, hard to understand, or simple? What does the Bible say? Through the simplicity that it, we need to present the Bible as clearly as we can so they can understand how to be saved. Sure. All right? Let's jump into it if we can a little bit. Cast the net right. All right? I'm going to slide over here a little bit, like I said, so I can see the screen a little bit better. And cast the net right. You ready to start? Here we go. All right? What is your church background? Give your testimony. Fill that in. What is your church background? Give your testimony. If I was going to win Matthew to Christ, and I met Matthew out in public somewhere, and first thing, I wouldn't jump right up and say, what's your church background? But the first thing I would do is we'd talk a minute. We'd talk about that, how to get the minute, the way we are. And the first thing I want to do when I start with, if you were out with me, and I look at somebody and I say, what, excuse me, what church were you brought up in? What is your church background? You know that I'm on step number one. one. Where am I going after that? Where am I going after step one? What follows one? <laughs> two. You got it. It's pretty simple. What's the next step after two? So, unless you interrupt me or somebody else interrupts me, I'm going straight through 13. Just like that. That's important. We'll talk about that. I don't mean by you mechanical. I don't mean that at all. I just mean you got a plan that helps you to present the gospel clearly. So I'm going to look at Matthew and say, tell me, Matthew, what church were you brought up in? All right? Somebody raise your hand and give me an answer to that. Any answer that people give you. What church were you brought up in? Fellowship Baptist. Excuse me? Fellowship Baptist. Fellowship Baptist Church. I was too. God bless you. Let me tell you what happened in my life. What am I going to give now? Your okay, somebody give me something else. Yes, sir? Episcopal. Episcopal? Episcopalian church. You guys have got some absolute beautiful churches. 
That's a wonderful thing. I brought up Baptist. Let me tell you what happened in my life. Let me give you my testimony. If you and Operation Go, one of the things we want people to do is to learn to give their testimony in 30 seconds. By the way, if you can give your testimony in 30 seconds, you can give it in 15 minutes. But a lot of people give in 15 minutes, <laughs> they can't give it in 30 seconds. You want to be able to give your testimony to the point, to what you're trying to get done. And so you work on your testimony. One of the most important things is for you to share with others how you got saved. You need to let God just kind of use that. It'll be a big deal for you. Testimony is a big deal. So you give your testimony. I'll touch on that again a little bit later on. But I want to step number one. I want to say, tell me what church were you brought up in? It doesn't make any difference. Now, here's what I used to do. Tell me Episcopalian again. What church were you brought up in? Episcopalian. Episcopalian? Good night. That's a liberal denomination. <laughs> Am I going to win her to Christ? No. no. See what I'm dealing with here? It's very important we understand this. We offend a lot of people. We get in arguments with a lot of people. And those people are not equipped to understand anything whatsoever because they lost. Well, I'm going to straighten them out. No, you're not. You're going to offend them and not be able to win them to Christ. If you get them saved, then God can use the Scripture to help get things straightened out, right? Isn't that what happened in your life? Sure. That's what happened in my life. I got saved. And <laughs> I, was, I lived in nightclubs almost before I got saved. And somebody come at me, I'll tell you what, you're going straight to hell those nightclubs. I'd have probably hit them. I don't know. I wouldn't have paid attention to them. But I got saved, and then later on, somebody. You see, what, how many of you know the difference I'm talking about here? This is a fundamental difference. So you look at somebody and say, what church were you brought up in? Mormon. Really? You guys got a, you got that choir that sings. Y'all do a great job singing on that choir. And, uh, I had a, somebody I wish could have been here this morning. He was unable to come named Dwight Bird. Anybody know him in this area? And uh, Dwight Bird is a, uh, I was able to lead him to Christ. And he and his wife, Kathy came, first time he came when I was young Pratchett years and years ago. And Kathy came, beautiful young lady. She got saved Sunday morning. And she told me, she said, don't go visit Dwight. He's a Mormon. If you go visit him, you'll run him off. Well, I'm going to thought to myself, where am I going to run him off to? Hell number two or hell number three. If he's lost, he's about as far off as he can get. Amen. So I went and visited him next week and had the privilege of leading him to Christ. And uh, June and I were in church a while back. He walked up and said, this is my birthday. You led me to Christ on this date, what, 40-some years ago, whatever it was. Think about that for a minute. I mean, you don't want to offend people, but you want to get on this subject. And I'm staying here because of the importance of those first three. So I'm going to walk up Matthew and say, hey, Matthew, tell me, what church were you brought up in? He'll tell me. And I'll say, let me tell you what happened in my life. I'll give him my testimony. Then right after my testimony, I'm going to ask one of the most important questions you can ever ask. And there it is right there. Step number two. All right. Step number two. If you should die today, do you know for sure you go to heaven? If there's a better question for you to ask than that, I don't know what it is. We just heard a young man give a testimony a couple weeks ago on how he got saved. And he had been in a soul winning training thing on a Sunday morning where I was just pumping a little bit in the Sunday school on how. And he heard me give that question right there. And it was either the service that day, I think it was the next day after that, he couldn't get away from that question. And he came back and got saved. 
And in his testimony, he said that when I heard that question, I couldn't get away from it. If you die today, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? Let the Holy Spirit use that. Amen. Now, you're not saying, if somebody had asked me, are you a Christian? Before I got there, I probably said, yeah, yeah. Everybody in America is a Christian, aren't they? That's what people tell you all the time, isn't it? I'm a Christian. <laughs> you know, I'm pretty well a Christian. Or, or I'm doing as good as I can. But when you look at somebody and say, if you die right now, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? Whoa. That's a different ball game. Right there. And uh, that's very, very important. I've had people that have taken soul winning training that have come to me afterwards and said, you know, I've struggled with that. I really do not know for sure I'm going to heaven. It's important for a person to know for sure they're going to heaven. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. It's very important. And you're not going to stay there very long. If you should die, do you know for sure you go to heaven? All right. A person, I was raised in, in a, I was raised in a Christian home, lost or saved. Help me. Lost or saved. Lost. Probably lost. Not necessarily, but probably lost. At least as a soul winner, you ought to assume that because don't ever assume anybody is saved. Because you're dealing with their eternity. It's important. Right. And so don't assume it unless they know it. For instance, if I looked at you and I said, sir, and just like you and I met on the street today, not fictitious, honestly, I said, if you die today, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? You'd say, you'd say yes. And I'd say, that's a wonderful thing. How long have you been saved? We'd talk a while. Did it happen in church or did it happen? And he'd give me his testimony. And pretty soon I'd say, praise the Lord, brother. God bless you. I'm sure glad you're saved. My, my plan's over. Right. He's saved. Right. Then I'm going to invite him to church or whatever else I'm doing to visit him or something like that. But if he said, yes, if I, yeah, I, I, I'm saved. If I die today, I know for sure I'm going to heaven. I've been in church all my life. I don't ask another question. I assume what? Lost. He's lost, or if he is saved, he doesn't know why he's saved. Right. So he needs to hear the plan. That's a very, very important thing. All right? So that question is a very important question for you. If you should die today, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? As soon as you know yes or no, jump to question number three right away. That's very important. And in question number three, you want to say this. Could I take just a moment and show you how you can know for sure? Can I take just a moment and show you how you can know for sure? Now, while you're doing that, you're going to reach in your pocket, pull out your New Testament. It's kind of like this. If it's in your back pocket, wonder if I could take a minute and show you for sure how you can know for what I, What am I assuming that person's going to answer me, yes or no? Yes. Always assume a yes. All the way through your presentation, assume a yes. Could I take a minute and show you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven? Well, yes. Okay. Now, you're going to say, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. I don't know what to show him. <laughs> Preacher, help. <laughs> I got somebody here. I don't know what to do here. No, you need to know now how to jump to the second level, which is what we call here, use the right bait. All right. Now, what are you going to do? Step number four, five, six, and seven. You're very familiar with this area, probably more so than anything else. This is very easy. So I'm going to give them to you kind of quickly. All right. So the first thing I'm going to do is look at Matthew. Matthew says, yeah, go ahead and take a moment and show me how I can know for sure. So what I'm going to do is say this. I'm going to tell him this and give you kind of an introduction on it. And then we'll look at those four steps. I'd say, you know, Romans is a book in the Bible, Matthew, that tells us how we can really know we're going to heaven. 
And there are four major things we need to know. That's all you need to do. There are four major things. Number one, all right. Now, I'm going to come back to this golden key. Well, uh, I'm going to come back to it in just a minute. All right. I want to get to this if I can. All right. Step number four, teach him that he's a sinner. I'm going to say, Matthew, the first thing in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, and you ought to be very familiar with these verses. Mark them in your Bible if you have not already done so, so you can look at them. And read the verse twice. I'm going to say, Matthew, the Bible says, Romans 3:23. I'm not going to let him sit next to me and read the Bible. I'm not going to give him the Bible and want him to read it. It may embarrass him. I've had people I've dead Christ who couldn't read. And I'm not trying to embarrass him. A lot of people have trouble reading the Bible when they read other things. The devil don't want him to read the Bible. So I want him to understand. So I'm going to say, he's going to be looking at me, and I'm going to say, the Bible says in Romans 3:23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Read the verse twice. Every one of these verses. Here, listen to the verse once again, if you would. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Matthew, it means I'm a sinner. It means you're a sinner. It means I've sinned against God. Once he shakes his head, we recognize we've sinned against God. You don't have to go through 66 books and give him 15 messages on sin. He knows he's a sinner. Once he recognized, yes, I've sinned against God. And the second thing I want to show you, and you give him the verse, Romans 6, 23, the next thing, and that's step number five. You, what's the first two words in step number five? Tell me. Teach him. What's the first two words step number four? What's going to be the first two words on step number six? How about step number seven? You got it. First two words on all four of those, teach him. Don't preach at him. Don't put him down. Let him understand it. It's very important. Teach him that he's a sinner. Now, teach him that the penalty for his sin is death in hell. Teach him that. Teach him that the penalty for his sin is death in hell. Use the word hell. It's a very convicting word. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> I had a circumstance. I don't want to say where or what because somebody might know where. I had a circumstance in December. <laughs> it was interesting. There were two ladies, and these two ladies were in the congregation. And <laughs> I knew what I was going to preach on in a crusade-type message, and a good part of it was on hell and the awfulness of hell. And somebody walked up right before me and told it. One of these two ladies said one thing they can't stand about Baptist preachers, they always preach on hell. <laughs> I wanted to change my message. <laughs> I mean, you know, but you know, I went ahead and preached what I want. Well, and you know what? The lady got saved in that service. Amen. It's an amazing thing. People need to know, not putting people down, not judging people, nothing else. Listen, is there a hell? Yes. 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 Is it forever? Yes. Is it awful? Yes. Will people go there if they're lost? Yes. Then they need to be warned, don't they? Yes. All right. So that's what you're doing here. You're not putting anybody down. You're going to teach him the penalty. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Wages is what? What you get paid for what you do. How many of us are sinners? All of us. So the wages of sin is death. Right. Now, that's spiritual death. That's not physical death, folks. And I'll tell them, that's spiritual death. That's the second death where a person dies and they, they spend an eternity in hell separated from God, the second death. That's an awful thing. 
And sometimes I'll ask people, I just tell people, man, <laughs> I used to sometimes think, you know, say, God, don't let me die now because I knew for sure I was going to hell when I died. You know, most people, how many of you thought about going to hell before you got saved? You know, about everybody does. And it's an important thing. All right, the next thing I'm going to do is say this. All right, step number, uh, let's go ahead. Step number six, I'm going to teach him that Jesus paid the penalty for his sin on the cross. Jesus paid the penalty for his sin on the cross. Now, you want to, Romans 5, 8, and you're going to read it twice, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, still sinners, Christ did what? He died for us. Right. Who should die for my sin? Me. I should. Who should die for your sin? Me. You should. Who should pay the penalty for my sin? I should. Who should pay the penalty for your sin? See, think through this logically. Who should pay the penalty for your sin? Well, you should. Who did pay the penalty for our sin? That's called... You'll like this amazing grace, isn't it? Amen. That's the grace that God, that's His grace He gave for us. And so, Jesus died and paid the penalty for our sin. And when that person, you're going to teach him that, he understands that, then you're going to jump to step number seven. And in step number seven, um, we, all right, number seven, you're going to teach him that if he'll believe that and receive Christ, God will save him. If he'll believe that and receive Christ, then God will save him. Now, when you finish this step right here, you're going to be nervous. You're going to think to yourself, <laughs> what, what do I do? And I'm going to say, uh, you got a question? I just messed up. I don't want to ask you, do you got a question? But I'm nervous. And I'll say, you know what I mean? You don't want to do that. You want to jump right to step number eight. You want to jump from step number seven to step number eight. Between step number seven and step number eight, there's a transition. Anybody that's already tell me there's one other place, not quite as big a transition in this plan. We've already covered it. It's in between steps number what and what? Anybody want to guess? In between what? Step number three and step number four. That's a transition. Step number three, when you're looking at may I take a moment and show you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. Step number four, I begin to show him how to get saved. That's the time he may say, yes, but... <laughs> Or between step number, you go to seven and eight is a big one. Uh, if you believe that and receive Christ, God will save you. Boo! A question comes in. Another question comes in. Now, I'm going to jump back because we've already gone through golden key number one. I want you to look at golden key number one. And I'm going to come back to the step in a minute. Right down on the bottom, golden key number one, because we've already covered it. And we'll get to golden key number two in just a minute and talk about what to do with questions. But step number, golden key number one is be folksy. Be folksy. What does that mean? Be friendly. It means collard greens. How many folks like collard greens? Let me ask you a question, a theological question. Can you be saved and not like collard greens? You work that out later on. Me, I have a problem with it, but I like collard greens, so there you go. I love good collard greens. All right, what about fried okra? This, I'm talking folksy right now. We went to Grand Rapids, started the second church. They didn't know what fried okra was. They had, you know, the first time I cried in Grand Rapids, you said when you met a lost man. No, no, no. The first time I cried is I went in a, in a produce thing, and they took perfectly good turnips. 
and cut the tops off and kept the bottom and threw the top in the garbage can. Can you imagine somebody throwing away turnip salad? I mean, I said, what are you doing? I mean, you, everybody know what I mean by be folksy? Be friendly. Be down home. If you're going to have a great church, you've got to have a friendly church. Am I right? You know, if you're going to lead people to Christ, you've got to be a friendly person. If you're going to have friends, the Bible says you've got to be friendly. That's what Proverbs says. And we ought to be that anyway. And we ought to be a light to people. We ought to lift people up and not put people down. So we want to be folksy. That's very important. Now jump back to step number seven here for just a minute. You're going to teach him that if he will believe that and receive Christ, God will save him. And you're going to jump right to step number eight. And I'm going to take a minute and jump down to make sure you kind of can get right on that. And before I go into that, stay on the track, I want to run down to step number eight. All right, step number eight. I want to ask him to bow his head in prayer. So it's kind of like this. I'm witnessing to Matthew. And, and Matthew's standing here. And, and I say, Matthew, if you'll believe that and receive Christ, God will save you. As important as that is, let's bow our heads in prayer and let me lead us in prayer. You see how quick I went to that? You want to go right from step number seven to step number eight. I don't want to say because I'm nervous. You, you got a question? Because you don't want a question. You'll find out in a minute. You don't want a question. You don't want to, do you understand? Sure he understands. All he needs to understand is four things. I had a guy I witnessed to in Africa. I had first time I ever get him, I don't go in many foreign countries to find this. He said, I'm an atheist. I said, not a problem. He said, not? I said, no. I want to show you what the Bible says you can do to go to heaven. Because truth about the matter is, you don't win an argument to win him to Christ. You show him the gospel, and the Holy Spirit takes the gospel and breaks his heart. He ever gets saved? At this point, after you've shown him step number four, five, and six, or seven, or he says no. If you believe that, receive Christ, God says, I don't believe it. Then he's not going to get saved. You don't trick people to get saved. You're a soul winner. What you do is show people clearly how to be saved. Then you give them an opportunity. So let's bow our heads in prayer. So I said, Matthew, let's bow our heads in prayer and let me lead us in prayer. What am I going to pray? Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. What am I going to pray? Huh? Am I going to pray around the world? Pray. Dr. Rice used to say it this way. Prayer is asking and receiving. What do you want? What do you want? You want him to? So what do you pray for? Lord Matthew has been very kind to let me show him how to become a Christian. Help him right now to receive Christ and do the right thing with you. Pray for what you want. Heads about and eyes are closed. Go to the next step. All right. What is the next step? All right, I ask him to bow his head in prayer. You pray. Next step, his about an eyes closed. I'm going to ask him to pray, and he's going to repeat a phrase by phrase prayer after me. Can I tell you that most of the questions I get on soul winning, most of the problems that people have with soul winning, they do not go from step number seven to eight. Uh, they do not follow the plan. They get off the plan. They get involved in everything else. Yes, buts. Yes, buts. Yes, buts. Instead of going right into... Bow your head in prayer, you pray. Then I ask him to pray. He repeats a phrase. That goes somewhat like this. I said, now our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. If you want to write this question down, you can write it in notes on the side. It's a great question. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Matthew, I've just shown you how to receive Christ as your Savior. Now think about this. If the Lord Jesus would receive you just like you are right now, and he'll do that, would you be willing to receive him just like he is right now? 
you might have to look up people a bit as heads bowed. And yes, I will. Great. Then I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me, phrase by phrase, and receive Christ. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me, phrase by phrase. What's he going to pray? And you can write it down, sinner's prayer. Dear Lord, dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive my sin. Forgive my sin. Come into my heart. Lord, come into my heart and save me right now. And I mean that, Lord, with all of my heart. Now, you're going to pray a sinner's prayer, and you're leading him to Christ. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute, because this is a very ticklish point. The devil's going to tell you, no, no, you don't do that. You let him pray whatever he wants to. How many have kind of been exposed to that a little bit, praying whatever he wants to? What did the disciples, when they came to Jesus, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And what did Jesus say? You ever notice what's the, what's the next three words he said? Say these words. Our Father, which, and he told them what to say. Isn't that an interesting thing? Now these disciples ought to have been a whole lot closer to than that lost person is. They ought to know more about praying than he would know about praying. I had a guy one time, I said, heads about and eyes closed. And this is when I'm first learning how to, I didn't know much about soul winning, but I was trying to practice, trying to learn. I said, let's bow our heads in prayer. Would you be able to receive Christ as your Savior? Yes. Well, go ahead and do it. <laughs> and nothing happened. And I'm saying, well, go ahead and pray it. He said, I just did. So I said, oh, I need to tell him to pray aloud. So next turn. Would you be willing to receive Christ as your Savior? Yes, I would. Then go ahead and pray and receive and pray aloud. Because I want to hear it. I want to know he prayed. And so this guy prayed, dear Lord, make me a better man. What? I said, would you put a PS on that and say, please save me? <laughs> so pretty soon, I'm kind of a hard case. The Lord had to straighten me out and say, you're supposed to be leading him to Christ. But I came out of that background that says, I need to let him pray. Jesus said, say these words. So now I look at people and I say, say these words. Pray with me and mean business with all your heart. Dear Lord, dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. And you lead him to Christ. All right. After you lead him to Christ, he prays. Step number 10, ask him to take your hand if you meant business. Ask him to take your hand. Now you might ask him to take your Bible. If I was leading a lady to the Lord, I, very, I would never say, I want you to take my hand. What I'd say, I got a Bible in my hand. Would you put your hand? And I had a young lady saved over in Kenya who was a waitress over there. And I said, now, if you meant that, would you put your hand on my Bible? She put a hand on the Bible. That'll work, won't it? I wanted to know. I wanted her to say, yes, I really meant it. So step number 10, ask them to take your hand, or they put the hand on the Bible if they meant business. Then step number 11, you pray with assurance, rejoicing, and thanksgiving. You can say, dear Lord, I thank you that Matthew has received Christ. Now listen to the difference in this prayer. One is assurance, one is doubt. Dear Lord, I thank you that Matthew's been saved. If he meant it, I pray you'd help him to... What? <laughs> You've heard him pray. And you're going to assume, that's between him and God. Now if he's playing with God, God's going to straighten him out. Don't worry about that. God will straighten him out. You're there as an ambassador for God. Just do the job. Stay on the track. What we're supposed to do on that. All right, now think about that very carefully. You pray, dear Lord, Matthew has just received Christ. 
I pray you'd help him not only to understand that he is part of the family of God, but help him to begin to grow and become a great Christian in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if he did take your hand and the hands on the Bible, they got the hand, and I look at him and say, congratulations, and God bless you. Right? Now, you're going to go through, what step is he going to bow his head? Step number what? Eight is, okay. After what step are you going to let him lift up his head out of prayer? After what step? Eleven. So watch. Step number eight, you can bracket it. Step number eight, you bow your head in prayer. Heads bowed the whole time. And number eleven, you're going to pray and thank God he got saved and he comes up. All right. Now you want the head bowed and eyes closed. He's not distracted. And you might, I have once in a while the television will be blaring. I might get, can I turn the television down? I'll say, hey, I'll get it. <laughs> and I grab a remote and I accidentally hit off. You know I don't do that on purpose. And I want everything quiet while we pray. Okay? Now I want to say a couple of things right here before you go to practice and you're going to lead somebody to Christ in a minute or two. All right, I want to say a couple of things. Number one, how many of you have ever been afraid to witness because you're afraid somebody will ask you a question you can't answer? Anybody been like that? Uh, I think everybody's there. Me too. Me too. But I'm going to give you something if you'll let me do it, if it's all right. Nobody, after what I give you, will ever ask you a question again that you cannot answer while you're soul winning. You can answer any question. I had a professor in Bible college one time. He said this. He said, in order for you to help people come to Christ, you've got to be able to answer every question about the Bible they can ask you. I said, Whew, who can do that? You know, I was thinking about it. I come out, didn't come out of a Christian background. I'm thinking, I'll never be a soul winner. And I don't mean this disrespectful. You know what that means to me? That guy's never really won many people to Christ. You don't understand what it's all about. Because after you leave, what I give you in a minute, when you practice this, you will never again find a question you cannot answer. You can answer any question. Will that be all right? Sure. Have you believe I'm going to give you something to really do that? Mm -hmm. I see the doubt in your eyes. <laughs> write it down. Here it is. All right, golden key number two. Write it down. It was on the screen a minute ago. I'm not going to come back to it. You can write it down. Golden key number two. Stay on the track. Stay on the track. If you will practice this, I guarantee you, it's going to really, really help you as a soul winner. Stay on the track. Stay on the track. Now, what does it mean to stay on the track? Think about it. What does it mean to stay on the track? Step number one is, okay, where are you going from step number one? Two. Where are you going from two? I think I need to give you a test. Uh, maybe you, if you flunk this test, you wouldn't be a good soul winner. So I ought to go ahead and give it to you. Okay. Think about it. What number comes after four? Uh, How many got that right? All right. What number comes after three? Four. four. How many of you can count to 13? <laughs> You're going to be a great soul winner. <laughs> Unless you get off the track. You know what's going to get you off the track? Questions. And I hate to tell you, a lot of people I've been out with soul winning, they bring them up sometime. When we should never. You got a question? We don't want to do that. So, I can answer any question you ask me. So, I need somebody to raise your hand and ask me a question. What do people ask you? I don't care. What do they ask you? Well, I was baptized when I was a baby. I was baptized when I was a baby. Well, but what would be the question in that? That's the statement. But, take me to okay. Do I have to be baptized in order to be saved? Yes. 
What's the answer to that question? No. You want to answer it, don't you? Do not answer it. I'm just saying, don't answer the question. You don't answer any question. You, do I have to be baptized to be saved? That's a great question. A really good question. Let me do this if I can. Let's set that over here for just a minute. When I finish showing you this, it's going to help you to have the answer to that question. Is that all right? Thank you. Ask me another question. I answer that one. Ask me the next, another one. Ask me a hard one. Do I have to stop smoking if I get saved? <laughs> I don't smoke. What? <laughs> what are you telling me that for? Do you hear that? <laughs> Do I have to quit smoking in order to be saved? That's a really good question. It really is. I've asked that. You know, often people ask, could I do this? Let me set that question over here for just a minute. When I finish showing you this, it's going to help you to have the answer to the question. Is that all right? Thank you. Another question. Ask me a question about the Bible. Come on, guys. Good night. What do people ask you? I don't believe the Bible's true. Don't people tell you that? I don't believe in God. I don't believe in hell. Right? Somebody says, well, I don't really believe that's a real hell. That's a real good issue. I meet a lot of people who feel that way. Could I do this? Let me set that over here for just a minute. When I finish showing you this, it's going to help you to have the answer to that question. Is that all right? So therefore, I can answer any question anybody asks me by never answering a question. One time when I was so winged, the person, I said, they got to the part where I asked them if they had a home in heaven. Or they said what now, brother? I, when I asked them if they, if they knew for sure if they had a home in heaven, if they died, they said that, that I'd like to show them, and they said they don't believe that it was that easy. You know what? That is a wonderful issue. You don't think it's that easy. And, and you know, that's a wonderful. I appreciate you being honest with me about that. That's a great thing. Could I set that over here for just a minute? Let me finish showing you what I want to show you. That's going to help you to have the answer to that question. Is that all right? Thank you. Don't answer a question. Don't deal with nothing. That's biblical. What I just told you is biblical. You say, why is that? Where is that biblical? The natural man understandeth not the things of the Spirit of God. They're spiritually discerned. What does that mean? you got to get saved before you can understand spiritual things. Right, right. That's the reason you get in arguments with people. You try to, let me explain that to you. And if he's lost, he don't have the spiritual capacity to understand what you're explaining. Right. Think that through for a little bit. Same through with hell. Same through with being an atheist. Same through with not believing a certain verse or believing a certain doctrine. So what you're trying to do is get them saved. Then after they get saved, they can be discipled. Right. But you don't disciple people before they get saved. So you got to do it. So everybody give me your hands. Show me your hands. Help me. You don't have to say anything. But there's a, look at it. Did you throw that pen at me or drop it? All right. Oh, okay. Here we go. All right. Say it with me. That's a great question. Come on, guys. Give me, get your hands empty. Here we go. That's a great question. Again, that's a great question. Could I do this? Come on. Could I do this? Let me set that over here for just a minute. Come on, guys. Let me set that over here for just a minute. When I finish showing you this, come on now. When I finish showing you this, it's going to help you to have the answer to that question. Is that all right? How many of you feel foolish? You ought to see what you look like. All right. Here we go. You ready? Let's do it together. Uh, come on, get your hand up. You ready to go? Come on, let's go, guys. That's a great question. Could I do this? Let me set that over here for just a minute. You're not doing this, brother. Come on. There you go. There you go. There you go. Come on. No, no. I'm trying to be dignified, too. Let's go. Here we go. 
That's a great question. Can I do this? Let me set that over here for just a minute. When I finish showing you this, it's going to help you to have an answer to that question. Is that all right? I guarantee you, if you'll practice that, it'll do great things for you. <laughs> Can I, I know you might find it hard to believe, but 90% of all the questions that are asked me about soul winning could be answered if people would just practice that right there. What does that mean? It'll keep you out of arguments? You don't have me. I'm ready. If, if I were to ask you that and you say, no, it is not all right, I'm ready to answer that. But nobody's ever told me no. Okay. No. You're going to tell me no, right? No. Oh. I just like, I know uh, I've had it in my life to make presentations in front of people who were above me in the work hierarchy. Uh -huh. And I would always, before I made a presentation, I would always tell them, now look, I'll answer every question you've got, but would you let me do my presentation and then ask your questions at the mm. end of it? Well, you're really saying the same thing I'm saying. Yeah. Because that's that's how I handle that. Because well, that'll be fine. If that's the way you handle it, that'll be fine. Every time I would get in front mm. of a MOAT team or something. Yeah. How many of you understand what he's just talking about here? He's saying the same thing I'm saying. He just let me finish my presentation. What I want to do, and I like that. That's fine. If that works for you, that's fine. But what we try to do is get, think of the logic of this. First of all, I'm going to listen, compliment, always compliment. That is really a great question. Thank you for asking it. And I tell people that sometimes. And then I ask your permission. I don't run over you. Could I do this? Let me set that over here for just a minute. Then I go logical. When I finish showing you this, if you'll let me show you this, it's going to help you to have the answer to that question. Is that okay? I ask you permission again. Then I go forward. I'm just, you, whatever works for you is fine. But I, I, I've used this, and this is what we teach, and this is what I would do if I was trained. I'm back to training soul winners, where the soul winners trained to do it. All right, so that's a very, very important thing. So you write that down or write it down under that number 11. Now, Matthew, would you leave your room and come up here for just a minute for me, please, if you would do this? I know he don't want to do it. That's the reason I'm getting him to do it. Do you have a question? Yes, sir. This now, I'm having a tough time understanding you. Go ahead. This will be my problem. I would say that and follow your examples. And then the person said, well, what's the answer to my question? So how do you handle that? Well, I just told you that nobody's ever told me that, by the way. Ever, ever. But I will tell you, what I just said is this. What I just said is this. If you let me show, finish showing you this, it'll help you to have the answer to that question. That's my promise to you. That might mean they didn't understand the logic in you promising that. Now, when I say I'm going to finish showing you this, I mean step number four, five, six, and seven. That's the gospel. And by the way, if you finish showing them, everybody's a sinner. Penalty of sin is going to hell. Jesus died on the cross and paid the penalty for your sin for you. If you believe that and receive Christ, God will save you. If they'll see, receive Christ, they will get more insight in getting an answer to that question. So you've told them the truth. All right? Now, I'm going to be very quick here a little bit. Thank you for coming up here volunteering. God bless you, brother. I really appreciate that. It's wonderful. All right? Now, if I met Matthew on the street, I'm going to be folksy, right? I'm going to walk up and I'm going to be folksy to him in a minute. And friendly then, I'm going to say, tell me, what, what, what church were you? Make up a church. What church were you brought up in? Deacon uh, Baptist Church. A Beacon Baptist. Can you make up one? I don't really. You don't want to make up one. 
<laughs> you don't go to church anywhere? Uh, I go to this church. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're going to have a good time. I can tell that already. All right. So I'm going to walk up and I'm going to ask what church do you go to. And he's going to tell me. And then I'm going to say, let me tell you, take a minute and tell you what happened in my life. And I'm going to give my testimony. And I'm going to say, after you get my testimony, let me ask you a question. Just pretend you're not safe. Let me ask you a question. If something should happen, you should die right now. Step number two. Are you following me on your plan? Mm -hmm. If you should die right now, do you know for sure you go to heaven? I think so. You think so? I don't have to ask him another question because I would automatically say lost. lost. Probably or he doesn't understand. Okay? I would say. I'd smile though and say, man, wonderful. Something, say something Then we'll pull my testament. I'm going to say, could I take just a minute and show you some verses that help me to know for sure I'm going to heaven? Would that be all right? Yes. Notice how it shifted. Helped me a little bit because he already told me he thought so. So you're using the plan. It's not a flexibility. So then I'm going to show him step number four. There are four things you need to know. And I read the verse twice. First of all, you're a sinner. Then we're going to hell because of our sin. Jesus died on the cross and paid the penalty of our sin. If you will believe that and receive Christ, God will save you. Now watch. Now we'll slow down. As important as that is, let's bow our heads in prayer. Let me lead us in prayer, Matthew. Let me pray. Now, Lord, Matthew has been kind enough to let me show him how to become a Christian. I pray you'd help him do the right thing with the Lord Jesus right now. Now, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, Matthew. And I'm going to ask you, if you'd be willing right now, just like we've seen in the Bible, to receive Christ as your Savior, what I mean is this. If Jesus would receive you just like you are right now, would you be willing to receive him? Yeah. Wonderful. Then I want you to pray this prayer after me and mean business with all of your heart. Just say, Dear God, Dear God I, know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm a sinner. Please forgive my sin. Please forgive my sin. Come into my heart. Come into my heart. And Lord, save me right now. And Lord, save me right now. And I mean that. And I mean that. With all of my heart. With all of my heart. Now our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I want you to pretend that you were here by yourself. And Jesus stood before you and looked down at you and said, Matthew, if you really, really meant that, I want you to reach out and take my hand. Would you take mine just like you would his? Would you? Now, Lord, I thank you that Matthew has received Christ. Help him now to begin to grow, to understand he's saved. And, Lord, to serve you in Jesus' name. Amen. Congratulations, man. That's a wonderful thing. You see how those steps? Now, here's what you're going to do. You're going to lead somebody to Christ. You're going to stand up and pair up, you know, choose your partner. And uh, what it will do, I'm going to go kind of fast because we don't have all day to do this. But you're going to take those first 11 steps and read them and just read them and go through them quickly and lead him. Then he's going to turn around and take them and lead you to Christ. I want you to find your partner. Everybody stand up and find a partner and practice. Everybody get a partner. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you sir. Everybody get a partner. Stand up. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com. Yeah.